we have to create the right vibe, you know, the energy and everybody at the organization has to feel so privileged to be here. It's, it's no other way. Thanks for listening to the Purely Arsenal podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Purely Arsenal FP for all the latest Arsenal podcasts. Welcome to another edition of a Purely Arsenal sit-down podcast. We're back, back with a bang, smashing, thumping, blitzing Newcastle. Won't talk about midweek too much, and I'm here with Neil Shaw. How you doing, Neil? Um, top of the world, mate. Brilliant stuff, isn't it? Relentless. Just keep us in the Premier League. Battering teams. The opposite of uh, the song about Tottenham. Uh, Tottenham get battered everywhere we go. We do the battering everywhere we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing, the, hearing some great songs from us, you know, especially with these big, giant wins. What is it, 25 goals, three conceded since Dubai? We should be going there every other week, shouldn't we? I mean, I don't know what, yeah. what we're doing. But it's, it's, it's a really great response from a from a really poor December, I guess. One win in seven, I think it was around that time. And we had a lot yeah. of questions and, and, you know, a really long break. But we've come back really, really strong. Obviously, we will touch on midweek, but we've got to talk about the game at the weekend. The league game was, for me, the more important one, the one I was thinking about. It was a massive week. Porto was huge as well. Um, but we've got to talk about Newcastle. Neil, disappointing midweek. Came into the Newcastle game. Lots of question marks about the lineup. Who would we start? Would anyone be back fit again? Coy, Mikel Arteta in the presser uh, on it. You, you just know he, he doesn't really give anything away. Turned out one player was back in Gabriel Jesus. We didn't see him. We didn't need to see him, which was, I, I can't remember a game last season where we could have said that, you know, where Gabriel Jesus just sat on the bench in the squad. Um, I, I, I don't remember that. Not even when he came back from his knee injury, he was sat on the bench. I think it was Fulham away and he popped on for 30 minutes still. Um, 3-0 up there as well from if I remember rightly but um, but Neil um, we, we made one change and it's probably the player we should start with but as we start about the first half we brought Jorginho in and we dropped Trossard out Jorginho started just six games in the Premier League for us this season Newcastle at home Liverpool at home Newcastle away Chelsea away Man City at home Burnley at home and if I remember rightly with Burnley there might have been one or two injuries that mitigated that kind of forced us into that start um, but clearly from the other five he starts him in the big ones right the big game City Liverpool Newcastle chill he starts him in the big games and um, he was absolutely fantastic I mean most touches Pass percentage around 90%. He absolutely bossed the midfield. I mean, for a 12 million nil, I was sceptical on the signing. I think we all were. Maybe you weren't. I can't remember how we all were, but I remember deep down my first reaction to the Jorginho signing. Maybe because, you know, we were, we were after a lot more expensive, younger players at the time. And it felt like it was maybe a misdirection in terms of what we'd been going for with this young sort of profile of player. Um, but I think I didn't realise just how intelligent a footballer Jorginho is and, and was. And what's incredible about him, Neil, is he can beat like six games. Six games started out of 26 Premier League games. You can leave him out for a month and he can come in and put performances in like that. And I think I'm right in saying the Man City one, which was one of the earlier games in the season, I don't think he barely started a game before that. 
and we just threw him in and he was fantastic for 75 minutes against Man City before Party came on and, and sort of helped create the goal but he really was fantastic in that game as well Neil fantastic start to the game but thoughts on Jorginho's overall performance I, I felt like I just couldn't help. he just stood out to me so much I mean a lot of players did but he was fantastic uh well, firstly, what a, what an amazing signing in respect of the uh, when you when you when you look at it in respect of the money we paid, as you said, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. It's actually a good window, wasn't it? We uh, we were going to go for two very different types of players, and we got two very different types of players. And actually, we've come up on top in both cases. That's uh, not, not, yeah, exactly. And oh, of course, in few years, well, that's we'll him. Let's not let's not forget him, but just just when we were talking about the two big signings, we were thinking of or looking at making, where um, you know they didn't transpire, and everyone was like, "Oh, well, yet again, Chelsea have taken those signings away from us." Um, and look what we've got in return. And you know, let's not forget Trust. I don't know he didn't really feature in the sense of he came on as a substitute, and uh, you know didn't really make a huge impact. But we didn't really need him to. To be fair. But, you know, they've both been amazing signings, but Jorginho's been something else. He's, um, like you said, he's very clever. And I think he's he's another one where he reminds me a lot of Arteta when Arteta was a player in the respect that he's kind of coaching as he plays. And I can 100% see him going down. If he wants to continue his career in football, I can certainly see him doing the same thing as Arteta has done. And who knows, he might be a future manager at Arsenal as well. Comes across really well. I remember after his very first interview, after he joined us um, post the game, and the way he was speaking, I thought, wow, this I love, I really like this guy. And I said, if nothing else, he'll be really good for the squad as a mentor, even if he doesn't feature much on the pitch. But as it's transpired now, I'm thinking, I'm not sure we can drop him at the moment because the impact he has made, as you said, on those few occasions has been second to none and he um, allows for me it impacts the team so many, in so many ways Jack by having him there as the base it gives Declan Rice the chance to you know fill in as a number eight and then let's not forget Havertz who I think has been absolutely incredible of late uh, to, to fill in your, your favourite position of, him of, of the number nine where like what you said about Jorginho, when he's played in that position, he's been insane. Um, and not only does it do that, I then think it makes Martinelli and Saka more vibrant and more productive because uh, there have been times this season where they've been very static. But when this we have this set up, I think that they're more fluid and they're moving around a lot more. Martinelli was cutting, coming across... He was on the right-hand side a lot. He was going down the middle a lot. He wasn't just fixed to that one side. And I think that that's all because of Jorginho's in, in inclusion. I mean, I could be wrong. This could be, could be more to it than just that. But I just feel that the whole tactics of the game changes as a result of him being there. And what he was doing is just always progressive. He's just, he's so intelligent in the sense that He's so fast. He's a bit like Odegaard, but playing a bit further back. And that's the other thing. It allows Odegaard to go forward as well because he doesn't have to come in so much. He's got, you got, you got, Georgie, you got, he's, he's a big player. You've got him, Habits, Rice. They're three big players. I know we've got the two giants at the back, but a little bit further afield. Now we've got three big, big presences, which 
I am really seeing a lot of similarities for different reasons with the Wenger era. With the Wenger era, we had quality players, Jack, in a sense of raw skill and talent, just quality. But we also had the big guys that could help with the physical side of the game. We don't seem to show any fear with any teams anymore because before in that period where when we were struggling a little bit, we had very kind of, like you put that tweet, I'll never forget, you know, we all had like a team of number 10s, all great players, massive talent, but it was very, you know, there wasn't any physical presence for me and I felt that teams were bullying us and we just don't get bullied anymore because we've got that, you know, massive players now. Even Kimio, I mean, amazing. But I think Jorginho is very quick in the sense of his vision. He can just thread a pass through uh, within, you know, in the blink of an eye. And it keeps the ball, the, the game moving forward. The progression is great. And it gives such um, an opportunity for the forward players to, to, to do something, to really hurt the defenders. And the stuff he was doing, I mean, just for example, that um, the ball to Martinelli, you know, it was like a chip pass, wasn't it? Um, very, very intelligent. And right, it was great work by Martinelli to come across and control the ball and then do what he does, did with it. But, you know, that was that was because of Jorginho's vision. And that's just one example of God knows how many things he'd done in the game yesterday. Fantastic. And I, I'm going to have to say that I think yeah, with with him maybe rotating with Trossard coming in as well because I love Trossard as well and I think he's made some massive impact uh, in games. I think this is this is the team now. This is the team, um, and I'm including Kiwi on that. I'm clearly Habits at the nine. I think we're playing brilliantly in this setup. It's magnificent. Yeah, well, that what will be interesting is to see. I mean, because notoriously, even with these big games, he's he's not necessarily. You know, we beat Man City at home. You'd look at that and think. Um, that's the blueprint, you know. And he did play the next one against Chelsea away, but then you know he he he, he spluttered and he, he didn't play a lot of games. But and it almost seemed like um there was this theory that Zinchenko plays, he doesn't this kind of thing because Zinchenko kind of fills that sort of central role, whereas obviously Kirill plays the left back role much 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 differently. But you're you're right. I mean, it gives a, a really strong base to go from. Bryce just talks so glowingly about. Jorginho and what he's learned from him and everything like that and I think you know sometimes a sort of fixation on the way a transfer comes in can kind of blur your your mind like a lot of Chelsea I I don't follow Chelsea fans obviously I've got too much sense for that but you see stuff from them and and you know from fans that follow them they couldn't wait to get rid of him a lot of them you know um could not wait to get rid of him and I thought wow you know that's a guy that won them help win them the Champions League and they're that excited to get rid of him. What 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 have we got what have we got on our hands here, you know? But like we're seeing with him and maybe like we're seeing with Habits as well, it's just you, you, you got you you've got to sort of trust in what Mikel Arteta and Edu are seeing because more often than not they've got it right in terms of transfers, to be honest. And this is I think this is another one for twelve minute absolute snip. I there's absolutely no reason not to give him a one year extension. I really hope we do it. Especially with El Nenny and I expect Thomas Party um leaving in the summer. It just makes it even more of a necessity. So I would be really shocked if we don't offer him that and I'd be really hopeful that he signs it. I know he wants to play in Italy to finish his career and things like that. But I think he's only thirty one, you know, he probably still has time to do that one one year on, I think. Um and it, it looks like he's really happy. I think his wife or future wife is from England as well so you know that kind of stuff maybe plays into it but we'll see with that but we started fantastically well I mean Newcastle felt worried because 
they are really the anti-football team alongside Man United, I think, in the league. You know, I really do. I mean, you got your your Everton's and, and teams like that, you know, but really in terms of big clubs, they really don't play a, a style of football that I particularly like. Um, they've got a lot of players in there that are overly physical for my liking, like Bruno Camares, that, you know, we've got physical players, but they're, they're just dirty players, you know. And um, you felt there was a little bit a sense of we've got to show them what we what we've got here because we were we were undone a bit harshly over at Newcastle to say the least and um Mikel Arteta is always very good at putting a revenge plan but we we just we just absolutely started on the front foot they could not get out we suffocated them like you said the wingers were fantastic fantastic that the goal came I think maybe 17th 18th minute it was a bit maybe a little bit fortunate the way it ended up in but we were we were dangerous consistently throughout the game on set pieces weren't we on corners and the worry a little bit there was was they were going to watch Porto in midweek and and see their sort of tactics and the way the ref bought into everything Porto did which was uh, tremendously frustrating though I think we could have done more as a collective to sort of um you know work around that and we'll talk about that a little bit later but <clears throat> Neil Gabriel deserves a lot of credit for the first goal. I think Saka does too, because I think it's a terrific ball win. Floated near post. Gabriel gets a great header on it, and somehow it ends up in the back of the net. We are we we were fantastic in that first half. Now it might have been the best best forty five minutes we've played, possibly alongside the Liverpool one with the problem that we were conceded late on against Liverpool in that first half. But this was complete domination, wasn't it? I I don't know. I can't recall the time where I've seen a better forty five minutes of football from us and I'm really scratching my head even going back far 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 um, it was unreal from start to finish for that 45 it's, it, it was it was probably as complete a performance that you could see or expect from any of the best clubs in the world to do it just and you've got to remember Newcastle are now up there and considered as one of the big boys with all their rare resources. I know it's not, I know it's not going to happen straight away, but you know, they could be a massive team or a massive big team for the future and the near future, having said that, because they've got the money, they've got it. Um, and a lot of people were even giving them a shout for the title this season. And look what we did to them. A complete annihilation from the first minute. We were on the front foot. We were so aggressive and so determined not to repeat uh, what happened at midweek. Um, and, and I just felt that everyone was so involved from the back to the, from the middle to the front. It was so much, so, so balanced. It was so in sync with each other and they didn't have an answer. I mean, you said before we started recording and it's something I was thinking, I was upset when Newcastle actually got into our half. I think I even put a tweet out um, saying that has the second half started when they, when they had the chance near the end of the, first half I think it was because they'd actually seen our goalkeeper it was crazy we didn't even see Raya that was so bizarre um, we had them chasing shadows we, they couldn't get out of um, their half because all the forwards even Odegaard they were all pressing they were all on them like a pack of hounds every time the ball came near them or one of their players got the ball we were running at them they were all doing it I think Habits was Saka was doing it Odegaard was doing it Martin they were all on them even some of the, the middle mid, midfield players, and they just did not have an answer. You know, Trippier's not a bad player. He made, he made him look stupid. You know, it's, it, it was amazing. And then the goal, um, I think I think you're right. I think delivery. So we've got Rice taking brilliant corners. We've got 19 set-piece goals now. I think it's at the top of the league. And also 13 from corners, which also is 
the top of the league as well. So it just goes to show what that sick beast coach is doing. And I think that's why he gets a lot of camera attention every time we score from a set piece because he's just doing wonders. He's absolutely brilliant, not just from um, attacking corners, but also from defending them as well. So let's not forget that. Um, and what I noticed was some Rice has been brilliant at it, but also Saka's delivery was great. But I also noticed what Kivior done. I don't know if you saw it. He kind of came in from the far, ran in from the far to the near. And I think that distracted some of their defenders. And I think that was really clever. That was Kivior, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you're on mute, Jack. Oh, mute, for, for Kivior's goal, right? Yeah, no, for the, even for Gabriel's goal. Oh, for Gabriel, I haven't if, seen that after we watched that. Yeah, if you watch it, he runs again. So he's almost like causing a distraction. So he did the mm. same for his goal, and he's right. one that actually scored it. But this time, but in, even on the first one, he's kind of doing, he did exactly the same action. And yeah. I think that kind of distracted some of the defenders. I thought that was really clever. And mm. I'm thinking that might be part of their that routine for this particular game. Um, yeah, it was more of a front post routine from the two his, goals. Wasn't yes, it? correct, correct. Yeah. But, you know, you, yeah, you can say that, uh, Gabriel. I mean, we know we might have been a bit fortunate, but we deserved it was coming. I mean, Jack, look at the performance up to that point. It was There was an inevitability about us getting a goal. And, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to take that bit of good fortune, but it was deserved. It wasn't like it was good fortune when we were absolutely rubbish and they no. were dominating the game. Yeah, it, it was deserved. Um, and, oh, it, it just... Number one, it just amplified what we were doing so it was deserved and then we you know as soon as that went in my nerves just uh, dissipated because yeah. like you now knowing you know you know me well in the sense that I'm always kind of positive no matter what's happening for a game but I was concerned I even said it to you didn't I I said I am worried about this one because how are we going to respond after that disappointment oh my goodness me these guys their mentality and their grit and their determination, which is a marked, stark difference from the last season, where I think we didn't have this experience. Now we've got that experience. Um, I think it was uh, Martin Kian was saying that we can draw fuel from, that we can have the oxygen, you know, garnish the oxygen from and use it to do better because we have got that experience from last season. I think it's turning, Jack. We were so, so gutsy after that performance from Porto to respond in this way. And as soon as that first goal went in, I knew it. I said, they're going to get, they're going to be spanked today. And yeah. I did, I know there's been times where we go two nil up, up in front and we're thinking it's still quite fragile because it only takes, I'll say to my mum, I said, yeah, they, they, they score one and the wins in themselves again. I thought this time, this ain't happening. We, we're not even going to let them anywhere near us. And Jack, just quickly before I stop, um, I think up to this game or what is it one before, We'd only had two shots on target against us or three shots on target against us. So I think it's only about five in total. They had two, I think. In yeah, this they game. had two, scored from one, yeah. Yeah, so I think it might be four or five. That's insane. From the turn yeah. of what, the last few games, five shots on target. Yeah. What, what a wonderful dif- thing the defence are doing and how well organised they are. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Incredible <laughs> Yeah, it was a weird one as well because I felt the wingers were fantastic in this game. I felt that, to be honest, Newcastle missed the trick here a little bit because um, at Newcastle, Livermento came on, I think, and he handled Martinelli really well. When we were 1-0 down, he came on. I remember watching Livermento and thinking, yeah, he's like a young version of Bellerin, but with strength. Um, and, and and they didn't. They switched it this time. They put Livermento at left back and 
Saka just had him all ends up like re- I mean the third goal sort of clarified that but even when I was watching it, I was going oh Saka's li- he's got his number big time here and Martinelli on the other hand just had Trippier because he's so much faster than him he, you know Trippier couldn't, couldn't live with him Trippier's been defensively terrible according to their fans for a number of weeks um, so it was interesting but the the, the, the the two players I kind of want to talk about in terms of not letting him out was Odegaard and Havertz now Havertz it's interesting because I, I thought Havertz was a number nine from from the get go. John's keep uh, my constant text message throughout games with John is how much he seems to dislike Saka, which I still can't work out if he's being serious or not, um, and how much he thinks you know I, I I dislike Kai Havertz, which I don't. My my reasoning behind Kai Havertz not doing well was that I'd never really, and I still don't really believe I've seen him convince me in the number eight role. But every time he plays in the nine, my first thing is to text my brother and go. He's playing him where he should play him again. And um, and the, the first tweet I ever made about Kai Havertz, because I, I thought I'd look it up this week just to prove a point to my brother, was I believed that when we signed Kai Havertz, the reason for us signing him, which I was wrong about, was that we're going to sell Eddie and Balogun and, make, and break even. That was my belief at the time. And we're going to use him as, a, as an alternative nine option because Jesus can't stay fit and maybe we're questioning that and now everyone's questioning that. And um, and, and, and I'm not saying I'm definitely right because I still think we're going to see him at the eight, but I do think without doubt Kai Havertz's best performances have been when he's been closer to the nine. I mean, even when you talk about games where he's come on and made a difference, Brentford away, Man City at home, it's when he's all been filtering in that role. But I just wanted to get you, I mean, the second goal, Neil, talk about the second goal. It was a, it might have been the best goal, team goal of the game. I think it probably was. Um, the ball over, was it from Jorginho that you said to, to, to Martinelli and then, the, then the, and then the cross to Havertz. And Havertz, if you watch his run, it's really intelligent. He faints to go out, um, to the back post and he comes centrally and that's not a, a movement I personally think he does from the eight I don't think he makes that movement from the eight I've always been frustrated with his movements into the box from the eight I know it's got better it definitely has got better but it's not as natural as that you can tell when you're watching him in the nine that he's played there more for club and country over the last two or three years and it just seems a bit more natural I'm just re-watching it again now but the, he's so intelligent the way he sort of faints and then just comes near I think it's really clever but I just wonder what your thoughts are on Havertz overall, like how he, he he differentiates from Jesus and what you think the future is, at least for this season, um, at, at the nine. It's great options to have. But I really think he's going to challenge Jesus, one, because he's available, touchwood, all, all the time, right? In, injury-wise, Havertz keeps himself pretty fit. He's also a player that can go for 90 minutes, rarely, when we when we when when the game's in the balance, do we sub him off? Um, in you know if he's playing like this, rare, I mean he's he's his ability to to and he can play three games a week. I mean he played midweek, didn't he? Ninety minutes as well, almost. So I just think you know fitness wise more reliable, but I also think he he maybe distracts defenders. He he draws defenders out a little bit more than Jesus does because he's bigger, he's stronger, he's better aerially. I'm starting to really like him in the nine now. I really am. And I, I think he, he might be the best option for us, to be honest. And and it's early days in saying that because he only played probably four or five games there. But what are your thoughts on him? I'm going to have to say that he starts for me. Uh, look, it's difficult to compare him to Jesus because they're very different players. Jesus and him, uh, you, you couldn't get more further than... <laughs> polar opposites with those two. They are very different players and ironically they play in 
arguably in their best positions, as you just said. They're both nines, and you just think Jesus, when he's at his best, is a joy to watch. Is an absolute joy to watch the way he can just be anywhere and dump, confuse, and really uh, make defenders think where the hell do we where do we stand or where do we where do we mark him because you can't because he's just like a a busy, like an annoying bee around that front line area. He just he really is and and he can take on players because I was going to say that obviously the, one of the massive differences which it is is Hevers is a big strong lad. And you know it's it's when he's, he's he's amazing at shielding the ball. He did he did a couple of, did that a couple of times in this game. He can shield the ball, and that allows some, one of the other attacking players to give it get have time to get into position and receive the ball from him after he's done that. Um, I, I can I can even say that he could be a bit of a target man. I'm not quite sure you could say that about Jesus, but I see very different players of them. And look, I was the same. We got him. We did that experiment with the formation. I hated it. And as a result, I didn't hate Havis, but I thought, what are you doing? Because you're there and because I was trying to accommodate you, he's completely unbalanced the team that we're used to. And I was coming out with stuff like in the pod saying, why fix something that isn't broken and what are we doing? Why is party, for goodness sake, being a blooming playing an inverted right back? All of that to accommodate trying to fit Havis in. You said that you will probably see, or you, and you put your right, see him back at the eight at times. I don't want him there. He's amazing at the nine. And look, we, Jesus was on the bench. Well, if that means he's going to be a bit part player going forward in the next few games at least, because it's working so well with this system, then that's the way it has to be. As much as I like Jesus, and trust me, I like it a lot, I don't want anything to disrupt this at the moment because it's brilliant, because Havertz is giving now at that position everyone else, and especially with Jorginho being at the base and Rice being where he is, we've got so many options going forward now, uh, Jack. He opens up a world of things. And and look, people, I think, I don't know where I was watching it, I don't know what real it was, but you know they were going, oh, that was an easy tapping for Havertz. Yeah, all right, maybe that was an easy tapping for Havertz, but what you said, exactly what I was thinking, that, he was really intelligent to see that coming from Martinelli. Real good foresight. And I think that's what he's got about him. He's, 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 he's like we were talking about how intelligent Jorginho is. I think there's something about Havertz as well. And he's got that little bit of experience. He's got the Champions League experience, as has Jorginho. And I think he's going to be so important for us going forward. Because one thing I've noticed about him recently, especially in these last few games... Even the goals, all right, he does miss some and we get frustrated. Like that one, what a great move that right was. Right at the by start the way. of the second half. What a fabulous move that was. And, you know, th- if that had culminated in a goal, there was, there was a few like that, actually. There was another one where, you know, Saka used his twinkle toes and he got the, when he did it to get the third goal. Brilliant. Yeah. To absolutely, you know, thread through the defenders, go one way, go the other. But there was another one like that he did, I think, in the first half which then I think brought a save from the goalkeeper. Yeah, and that right. also, yes. And that, if you look at the build up to that, that was a great move as well, which I think I might be wrong because there's, again, there's so many, um, how might be, might be involved in that, but th- that goal, um, that he missed, it, he, he's going to do that. 
he is going to, we're going to, we're going to see that that is part of his game but he also i think mitigates that a lot he mitigates those mistakes and those errors a lot with his with what, what everything else that he does and there are so many times Jack, that i've noticed that the chances that we've had and we've had plenty we've scored 25 goals but it could have been 35 in these last few games how many clear-cut chances did we have and how many opportunities have we made in these last few games? And if you look at 85 to 90% of those, Jack, he's involved. You look back, you're really, you, you always do this, you look back at all the things and have a look back and he's involved in a lot of it. So being in that position, it's given him a lot of opportunities to do what he's doing to help the other players. It's not just about him scoring goals and thinking that he's got to get 20 goals a season. He's, he's kind of similar in that way to Jesus, where he might not be a prolific goal scorer, but he's doing so much around it, but in a very, very different way to Jesus. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. I don't want to see him come out of the team at the moment. I have to say it. Well, I think Arteta loves him. We've known Arteta loves him anyway. Um, sometimes you find things when... Um, when you lose players, you know, sometimes losing players is an opportunity for other players. You know, Jack of Kivior can be testament to that, which we'll get onto in a second. Um, but, I, I, yeah, whenever I watch it, I just think our wingers are so good. The first time we saw Havertz start a game up front for us this season, if I'm not wrong, is the FA Cup loss against Liverpool. And that FA Cup loss against Liverpool was a blueprint for beating Liverpool, but people didn't know it yet. And we did exactly the same thing almost in the next game. I give you a left back, play Havertz. Well, actually came on at halftime, but still um, Havertz um, up top. And Liverpool fans went, ah, you know, we did what we usually do and just held you off. We deserve to win it in the end. But Anyone watching that as a neutral watched the FA Cup game going, wow, we absolutely blitzed Liverpool for about 30 minutes in that game. And Havertz was a big reason why. I mean, the chance he misses in the second half, yeah, it's poor. I think he actually gets given offside. It doesn't, but I think it would do on review. I've watched it again and again. I think he's marginally offside. So I'm giving him a let off here. I just watched it again. I'm like, I, it's one of those ones that you're like, I guarantee if that goes in, that gets given offside on VAR. But it doesn't make an excuse for it. But the fact is, is Gabriel Jesus is not a great finisher either so when you when you argue that our oh, Havertz misses the odd big chance we already know that Gabriel Jesus does similar things but what is interesting about Kai Havertz is I think he gets more chances in the nine from that position there's games that sometimes I watch Gabriel Jesus where he's not in that position enough I love Jesus I think he's a terrific player I think he's fantastic and I still think he's probably a really essential player to, to have if we're going to do anything this season. However, he is not available enough. Without question, he is just not available enough. And if you've got a player that can provide a lot of similar qualities um, and allow your wingers to flourish and all that kind of stuff, um, but is available more, you're, in, you're going to end up going with that player because they're more reliable. They're more reliable. You know you're going to have them each week. You know they're more more reliable. So I just think, have at the very least, he is providing serious competition. Gabriel Jesus um, at the nine. It, it's, it's just without question. You can't beat Liverpool and Newcastle in this fashion um, with Havertz at the nine and and not think otherwise you know, and think otherwise. I mean, he's he's providing serious competition. I think, and I think I um, underestimated. 
his presence. Like I, I, I think I underestimated his presence when he's up there, to be honest, because I, I mean, he's got six goals to assist now in the season. It's looking not bad, is it? But I mean, even stats wise, it's looking not bad, but we worried mostly about him. But what I'm really concerned with is how does it make our wingers look? And look at the chances Saka and Martinelli, Martinelli with a header over, but he was fantastic before he came off. Saka was, was brilliant again. Um, I thought, you know, he gets his goal. That's for, that's a provided from Havertz, I believe the third goal. Um, so it's all about those are our those are our key men, right? Saka and Martinelli, those are our our numbers guys. I think the other thing that I know is is Odegaard and Havertz, their ability to press, like relentless ability to press, like their energy is unbelievable. And sometimes you have one guy, um, you've frozen on my screen a little bit here. I don't know why we keep getting that freeze in thirty minutes into the, the podcast. Um, you're back, you're back, you're good. Um, but. Uh, you, some teams get one guy that can press really well, but if you've got two guys, we already know about Odegaard. I mean, he's he's the he's the most energetic number ten you'll ever see going both ways. But then you've got a number nine like that too, and I, I think Gabriel Jesus has the ability. Just we we've always said that about Jesus, but does he have the ability to do it ninety minutes three games a week? Well, evidence suggests he doesn't. To be honest, evidence. So this is this could really help Gabriel Jesus. This could really help him because we have the ability to say. You can sit for a little while and 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 we can bring you back in slowly and all that. We've never had the ability to be able to do that with Gabriel Jesus. So that I think that's really, really helpful. We've found a, a solution here where where we 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 Arteta didn't want to do it. He was reluctant to do this earlier in the season for whatever reason. But he's definitely not gonna be now, which is really fantastic. But another player I wanted to talk about before we talk about Saka's goal was um Kivior as we were on that, Neil. Oh, I said, uh, no, I don't, I've predicted a lot of things wrong, to be fair, but I did say at the start of December, I said, if you think Tommy Asim and Zinchenko are making it through this Christmas period without getting injuries, you're an idiot. Um, and they had about four since I said that each, you know, they've got no calves left. I've ordered some from for Easter, but you know, literally it's unbelievable. Um, and I said around that time, Neil, we started Kivior against Luton away. And he didn't play well. And he came off at 3-2 down after 60 minutes. And I remember tweeting, we we tried to find Kivior today and I understood us starting him and we didn't find him because he was poor. But we're going to need to find him at some point. And that game and game subsequent after that, you know, he was poor against in the FA Cup. He gave... Um, he gave the own goal away, right? People thought he was poor in that game. But these little minutes that he got made Arteta understand how to use him, I think. And now he's flourishing. He looks like he's part of the team. He's playing the left-back role very different to Tommy Asu or Zinchenko. And it feels still really balanced, Neil. I don't really know what level of player we've got here, but we've definitely got a capable one. Sorry, I just uh, was trying to set myself up mute. I, I've seen the thing freeze again a couple of times, by the way, Jack, and I don't know whether it's my end. Okay. So, um, sorry, apologies for that. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm with you at the moment, aren't I? Just to check. Yeah, you're good. You're okay, good. perfect. Right, yeah. Kibio, I am, um, wow. Another amazing, amazing signing in that window. As you said, I, you know, we mentioned Trossard and uh, Jorginho, but I, 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 I just thought at the time we were getting in for the future. Uh, like you know, and then he'll he'll be a, uh, maybe to integrate him a lot more, a lot slower. But like you said, with the injuries, we're getting to both Tomiyasu and Sinchenko. He's had to probably come in a little bit sooner than expected. 
Because I'm thinking if they hadn't been injured, would we have seen that much of Kiwi? I don't think so. So I, I think, um, like very much like Havertz, sorry, Havertz, like Saka and Emil Smith Rowe first came on the scene, it was because of injuries, I believe. Um, that opportunity has been given to Kibior, and and he's take oh yeah, like you said, didn't have a great game with Luton, and you know, but it, you know, it's expected, isn't it? You can't you know expect someone just to come in. Not every player can do that. Rice is a different pedigree of player. He's just ridiculously just is on a different level so you can't compare um, but he hasn't taken long to adjust and he hasn't taken long to adapt and what you said that's the key he, has, he hasn't come in and disrupted anything he's actually come in and I think he's in hard really good to see did I freeze there again? Previously, pre- uh, briefly, but carry on. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, keep um, saying that's unstable yeah. again. It's like it's like it's like a repetition from last last week. Oh, that's um, really strange. Yeah, very. Okay. Um, yeah, like I was saying, I don't think he's 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 actually enhanced and complemented the balance of the team. And I actually think I could be wrong because I'm rubbish at analysing things. But I think what he gives is almost like a bit of a combination of. Kiwi, uh, of Zinchenko and Tomiyasu. We know what Zinchenko is. He's not a great defender. Um, he's good that, he, you know, he's more of a midfield player to me. Yeah, good point. And then you've got, you got Tomiyasu who's, well, if I, if I, if I, if you look at someone like Bettini, which we used to have, he was a traditional left back. I think Kiwi's got those qualities about him. He's got a bit of what Tomiyasu does, but Tomiyasu's a completely different player as well. But he's also can, can do what Arteta wants him to do with the respect of going forward and being a bit, bit you know, having a bit of an attacking mindset as well. I think he's got it all in his locker and he's just made, I think him being doing what he's doing, he's quite a big lad as well. Let's not forget. But I think he's also not making the other defenders around him and maybe the central midfielder around him feel uncomfortable or have a lack of confidence it's like they can, everyone can rely on him. They can, he can be trusted. Or overburdening the them either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not like there's a big hole there on that side of the pitch. Yeah. And it's telling, isn't it? Because look, we've, look at our defensive record lately. It's been incredible. It's, yeah. been, it's been good all season, but it's been especially good since the turn of the year. And um, I just think he's an incredible player. You know, you find him. I was laughing last time, I think, with the pod with you when, when he was heading that ball, had a chance with Ed. And we're thinking, what's he doing there? Where's Kiwi? Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Where's that come from? And yeah. so he finds himself forward as well. And then, of course, he's another big guy in terms of goal scoring threats when we have set pieces as it transpired in this game. Um, and there's something about him which makes me feel that. He's never not been a part of the team, Jack. He's almost like he's become one of the, one of the stalwarts and, and he's, 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 he's part of the lads and part of the group. And I, I like I said with Havertz at the nine, as much as I love Tommy Essen, don't get me wrong, I love him. And I do like Sinchenko, but I do worry about his defending. I'm, I'm now thinking, does Sinchenko drop to number three in the pecking order? Because I think even before Sinchenko, if, if Kimio isn't available... I prefer Tommy Asu there, just from the defensive side at least. Yeah, and I, I, I think he's great. I for me, he's my number one at the moment. That's how good I rate him. Well, that's so, it. I mean, yeah, 
first of all, he, he, like another thing, he's available. He's fit. But it's not like we didn't find him at all last season. Either. I mean, he came in at centre-back and I know we'd already lost the title at that point-ish. But when we decided we'd had enough of Rob Holding, we brought him in and played him at right centre-back as a left footer. And we and, and and we played him in games like uh, Newcastle away, and 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 won there within there, you know. And so we knew we had a player there. What I found really encouraging from him, there's a little clip going around on his compilation from from the game yesterday. And if you if you get, I'll probably tag you in if I see. It. But it's really interesting to see how good his distribution is from the like Zinchenko's distribution is great, but he moves everywhere. Right, he goes into the ten, into the eight. But Kirill, it's just from his left back position, his distribution down the left centrally is really good and when I first saw Kivior and they show, I sort of looked at uh, clips of him that's what I saw a lot of from centre-back was this incredible distribution from from deep line positions and he's starting to you just see how he's more comfortable you know yesterday it really struck me when he scored and sort of the celebrations and stuff like that for me it felt like the first time he probably feels like I'm a, I'm a part of the group now. I'm a real part of this group. I'm I'm settling, you know, and and that's huge for a player, isn't it? He doesn't need to get goal. Obviously, he's a left back, but when he when he's a part of victories like Liverpool and and things like that, you know, it, it must do wonders for his confidence and for the for the collective's confidence about him in that position. And I, I think you're right on Zinchenko. I, I I asked the question to James. I think um, I think I sent him a text midweek, and I was a little bit bored in between games, and I said to him, if you're going to sell one first team player next season or two um who would it be who would be your surprise sales that you'd be like oh yeah i could see us selling him and i said zinchenko and jesus at this point in time not because i want to sell them um i'd love to keep them but one they're on massive wages two they're not very available and three we're starting very early days to show some signs of solution and you're not even considering um future signings or timber returning and things like that so you know, I agree. I, I think Zinchenko is hugely valuable in certain games. I really do. But but Kivio's showing that he's... And it, what that clip shows as well is his ability to defend. And that's where we worry about Zinchenko constantly. And there's no coincidence, I don't think, that we're giving up... So, I mean, they had 0.18 XG yesterday, which which is frustrating in the sense that that, that, that they, they shouldn't be scoring from anything like that. You know, Joe, the Joe Willock chance is the only, you know, mere presence of a of a half chance for them. I know they had a couple of shots from edge of the box. Isaac went over the bar, but they really didn't get, get close, you know, to, 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 to our final third, really. And um, that's what's frustrating. I know fans get frustrated with that. They're like, how comes we always just seem to consider from the one half chance that other teams get? And I, and I, and I do agree with that to a certain degree, but th there's nothing really the goalkeeper could do about it. I mean, it goes into the corner. I suppose it's just one of those sort of, you know, free goals, I guess, and you, you switch off a little bit. But um, overall, yeah, we've, we've given up so little chances and Kivio is a huge part of that, I think. I, I agree. And and we've got worried for Tommy. I know he signed a new deal and, and I think what gets Tommy Asu out of the question mark of, of a transfer is the fact that he can play all four positions. And you, we don't have anyone that can do that. And there's no no one in our team that can play all four back four positions. So when he is fit, he's super valuable, even if he's just from the bench to be like plug and play kind of player. So I, I, I get why he is valuable, even with the injuries. But Zinchenko, there has to be question marks because the, the guy, without doubt, gets two calf injuries a season. Like if you look at his history, even at Man City. And each calf injury is about four to five weeks. I mean, that's, that, 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 that's 
hugely costly. I mean, that's just, you can't deal with that, you know, and, and it didn't matter for City because he was a bit part player at City and maybe that is what he will become for us, which is perfect because I think he could be hugely valuable as that, you know, as a, you know, a left back attacking player off the bench or something. Amazing. Um, where I'd have more question marks is it is further up with Jesus and things like that because I don't think you can have a number nine that just pops in and pops out all the time. I think it becomes a bit, bit more difficult. But yeah, give your fantastic. Um, Neil Saka, I mean, if he's got 13 goals, seven assists in the Premier League this season. I think he's got 31 goal involvements, is it? This season, he's already surpassed last season's goal involvements and he's in February. Um, he's having a poor season, according to my brother and, and many fans. Um, I, I I sort of agreed with that in a sense earlier in the season, but I've certainly not agreed with it in the last sort of five, you know, six games at the very least. I think he's he's without doubt back to his best. And we're going to need him there, Neil. If we're going to do anything this season, we need our best players to be on it. And um, he's on it at the moment, isn't he? He's, uh, 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 he's one of these players that just keeps surprising me when, you, when he shouldn't anymore because of what he's done. Uh, he's... Like you, yeah, I agree. I agree. He, it, we we did think that he's a little bit burnt out this season. He wasn't doing it the way he was doing it last season. I guess which probably was one of his probably his best season so far for us. But the form he has shown, well, not no. I'm, I'm going to correct myself. No, no, not the form he's shown in the last six games. He still was doing getting the numbers in, even leading up to that little blip, you know, just after Christmas or whenever it was, when we'd only won one in seven or whenever. What, however stupid that 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 was. For us, or how detrimental, how, how bad it was for us. Um, but he was still getting numbers in throughout the season. We were thinking he's not on it at it like we'd like to see him or what we expect of him because he raised the bar so high. Um, so you know, you weren't you weren't wrong to think that, and I I, I completely agree. But yeah, last few games, oh God's sake, he's back. I think he's back to what he does, and that's without having a break. That's the interesting thing. He's what we missed one game the last 113, one game, 113 or something stupid. He got that record, didn't he? Being right, the first English uh, player to get five consecutive goals in five sorry goals in five consecutive Premiership games or something since Ian Wright. I don't know if that's for the Prem or just Arsenal. I'm not sure. Maybe you know. Um, but oh yeah, um, again, it was five consecutive goals. It was Ian Wright's record for, for I think that was probably just for the Prem then, but it, Olivier Giroud did it nine years ago. Oh, English so, player. Yeah, yeah oh, English player. That was it. Yes. Sorry, it was that's English player Ian Wright. Olivier Giroud was the last one. Nine that's, years it, that's, that's, that's it, that's it, that's right. it, that's yeah. it. So he's done that. I mean, we got the other, we got broke more recently, seven consecutive halves, two goals in each half. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. We're, 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 just, we're just doing getting numbers in even that way in terms of, making nice little records. Always nice to have. I mean, it's not the most essential thing. If we're winning games, that's more important. But it's nice to have, isn't it? These little kind of, you know, little notches on, you know, for us and, and these little records here and there. But my God, I, I just, I don't know what to say about him. He's, um, he's, everything he does, He and plus, again, with the setup we had, he was more dynamic. There was so much more fluidity again with the front lineup. And, he could score with both feet, Jack. That's the other thing. You know, we used to we used to talk about. Um, oh, I love the guy so much, Santi Cazorla, two footed guy, one of the one of the one of the best players, like you said, that I've seen in an Arsenal shirt. What a terrific player! But Saka, you've got to start thinking about him as a, one of the best Arsenal players we've seen as well. He's got to be in that list because 
He can score with both feet. He can turn defenders inside out. He can score goals. He makes some. He's a lot of our player is focused on the right. So there's so much pressure on the guy. And what I love about him the most is something that you're always concerned with, as you were just talking about, is he can get smashed to pieces and he can look injured and you think, that's it, he's out, and he's always back the next game. He's always available, Jack. You know, people don't... Everyone talks about how good he is as a footballer, but so important is the fact that he's always available for us. And he's such a strong kid. Then you look at his mentality. You know, the knock he had from the rubbish he received from all those nasty people after that penalty miss in the European Championship. And he brushes himself off. He had that penalty miss, and then he took the penalty the other day, and he scores. You know, you think, you know, when I say the penalty miss from the reverse, the same, uh, you know, uh, game for the the previous season. And he's not scared to do that. He takes the penalty, he he, he just with confidence. And, you know, uh, I, I I can't underestimate the mentality and grit of this chap. And when you said all of those things about him, all those positive things, look at his age. Look how young he is. He's incredible. Jack is going to get even better. And he's so important for us. It's untrue. Mm. What my worry is with all these players, I think I mentioned in the last pod, is, again, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm not a trophy hunter, but I think we do need to win a couple of big trophies. We do. Because how do we incentivize these I'll people? I'll keep them otherwise. Yes, exactly that. That's my only worry. And, before, and just one other thing I want to mention, you may, you might, have, I might be stealing your thunder here. And you might, we, we might have wanted to talk about him. I need to mention Raya again because Raya, he, I've, 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 I've warm, as I said to you, I mean, saying I'm warming to him. I have warmed to him. I'm starting to like what he does. He offers a, a lot of um, control at the back. He offers a lot of calmness, and you saw all of this. I, I, I was too. It's kind of narrow, uh, which will it visions with because of my love for Ramsdale, which is still there, but I can understand now why Arteta has you know looked on Ray and thinking, yeah, he's uh, he's what he wants, and you know that even even the one or two chances that they had, he made himself big. He, I think there was one where the, the tackle was running to him and he he just gathered the ball. He, you know, he just basically threw himself on the floor and black handed it. You know, and but it, for me, the bigger thing is when the crosses are coming into the box, he's just catching them with authority yeah. and distribution. There was yeah. one where he caught and he distributed. I don't know if that led to the third goal. I can't remember, but there was one. Or it led to a chance, but it was a distribution straight to Saka. I think it was on the on the wing. No, that might not be the one that led to a goal. It might have led to a chance. Or did that lead to the corner for the fourth goal? I don't know. Whatever it was, it was a great piece of distribution. But his authority in catching the ball when it's delivered into the box is fantastic. And he is very calm. He's, I like Ramsdale because I think he he is a great goalkeeper. I'm not going to say otherwise. I know people might, might criticise him for the merits that he's got in his game. But I loved him also for his personality. Now, I'm not saying Rare's got the most amazing personality, but he's a lot more quieter. Rare, for me, is more of a professional player. He goes about his business in a more so professional way. level, you know what I mean? That's like, right. There's, there's no spikes in him. No, there's no, no. There's no... He doesn't really give off any... Yeah. 
peaks and troughs in terms of his energy it's or the crowd, level, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is odd for a keeper because all of our best keepers, Neil, well, not all in of them. In that Yeah, well, I guess Seaman. Yeah, Seaman. Yeah. Maybe he's a bit Seaman. You know, he's a bit like Xavier Seaman yeah. in that temperament, t- temperamentality-wise, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but 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 obviously the layman's and, 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 the, and, and the Rams, they'll sort of remind us a little bit yeah. more of that that's sort it. of sentiment. But oh, that's not Arteta, though, is it? That's not no. Arteta. Arteta does not like that, really. And I don't think it was any coincidence, by the way, that when we beat um, Man City, I think Gabriel Jesus is quite an emotional player. Um, Gabriel mm. Jesus. And um, when we when we beat, I, I want to say when we beat Man City, was he playing in that game? I've got to check that now. I want to make sure I'm not wrong. But I, I, I feel like he wasn't playing against Man City when, when we beat him, but maybe he was. Uh, but I, I've always felt when we've gone to Man City, you know, that we want to take the emotion a little bit out of the game. Um and sometimes, you know, having someone like Ramsdale there who rolls up the crowd, rolls up everything, um, sometimes it's not as beneficial. But you got a question, David Rara, midweek, Neil, for the goal. Did you think, I mean, just touching briefly before we go back to this, um, did you think that he, he was rightly questioned for the Porto goal? I felt it was a little bit harsh. felt the question should be more on the players that gave the ball away and didn't understand it was 30 seconds left in the game and a nil-nil draw isn't the end of the world away at Porto. It's actually not a bad result, especially considering we didn't play particularly well. No, Eddie and Keita started against uh, Man City. Um, but um, um, what, did you, what, what did you think? Well, if you're asking me, I might as well just say, we might, I know we want to go to it a bit later, but for me... Um, I didn't think any team deserved to win that game, by the way. So I don't think, but but neither team deserved to lose either. I I, I just think that a nil nil would have been a fairer result for me. Uh, yeah, we 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 were doing a lot of things, but we just weren't clinical up front at all. We we just that was the start difference between this game and the Newcastle game. We we made sure we were good all throughout the whole pitch, whereas that game we kind of were stuttering. No shots on target. The final third, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly. So I didn't think we deserved to win, but I don't think we deserved to lose it. Um, and that's just a moment of lack of concentration. You know, you said it's 30 seconds. Maybe the players just thought it's just going to end up in a draw and didn't think they were going to do anything like that, which is stupid because you've got to be professional. I've always said you played to the final whistle. Um, I just think it was a combination. It wasn't, you can't just put the, attribute the blame to one player. Um, there's arguments, would Ramsdale have saved that? Maybe. Maybe another people might have saved it. Don't know. Possible, um, but you, then you can't sit there second guessing yourself, thinking, "Well, if Ramsdale was there, we wouldn't have lost that game." You know, it, because then you can say that about so many things when you when you rotate players. It's 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 a difficult one, and I'm I'm not I'm not going to sit here and criticise Rare simply because for me, um, I think it was just a, a, a loss of concentration from us in the last thirty seconds. Plus, it's half time, Jack. It's half time. And we've got them back at home now. And I, th- th- that's the thing. I wasn't so worried about that. What I was worried about is the impact it would have on our players for this game. Mm. And I was completely proven wrong. That was the only thing. I won't, I'm not worried about the tie, by the way. I know it's going to be difficult, but 1-0 isn't difficult. Half, it's half time. And now we've got two halves in our, at our home. So I'm not worried about that too much. I, I just felt that it may unbalance what we've uh, that great start we've had to the you know of 2024 where we've won five consecutive games so dominantly what is this loss last minute loss going to do to the players and that's what i have to say that i have to commit i have to stand up and bow to each and every one of them because i don't think there was a bad performance in that whole team 
on Saturday. Yeah. Not one. Yeah, I agree. And I just rewatched the third goal, as you mentioned it, but it was all, it's, it really, if you rewatch, get a chance to rewatch the third goal, it really demonstrates the Odegaard, Kai Havertz press because Odegaard's everywhere. Kai Havertz, the one that wins the ball high and he starts the move and he kind of ends the move by giving it to Saka to, and Saka does what he does and cuts inside and, and, and it's a great finish, little deflection, but it's, it's his goal and um, it, it's fantastic. But that's where that press is, is really, really capable. But I also think that the, 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 I think I underestimated his presence, but I also think I underestimated his fitness. I mean, Kai Havertz is just a tremendously fit guy, and if he if he does mimic Xhaka in anything, it's that. You know that, that Xhaka was always known as like the best trainer, and I, I put money. I don't I haven't heard any of this, but I put money Havertz is right up there because the guy never stops running. I mean, he literally never stops, and he never looks tired. And that's the same with Odegaard too. And that like, that is not that common, I don't think, in a front four where everyone's flair and scoring to have that ability to work hard. But even Liverpool are known for high press and they call it the gegen press or whatever you want to call it. But if you watch Salah, he switches off a lot because of his quality in the final third, right? It's almost they have to do two jobs for him to counter his... He doesn't work like the, 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 these guys do off the... We can do, but he doesn't consistently. Um, but he's so good going forward. He's like a cheat code going forward, obviously, um, Salah. And that's that, That's why, you know, you sort of allow that. But the press from Odegaard and, and Havertz just really struck me in this game. I was like, wow, the energy. I mean, who was it? Botman and Shah who were like there... Their, their, their most consistent players last season. I mean, they were they were they were breaking Newcastle records for clean sheets last season with them two at centre back, and they did not know whether they had nobody to pass it to. Why? Because they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. They, they, because Odegaard and Havertz were were literally in their face straight away, and it was and it was relentless for them, and and they couldn't get out. And it was really fantastic to watch from our perspective. And I just thought, yeah, it was it was brilliant. And that you, to be honest, that second goal was was right up there with uh, the second goal as a goal of the game. But Neil, we, we we made changes at four 0 and that was when Arteta, from my perspective, was the most animated. And I don't think we were poor. Well, I mean, Smith Rowe could have put us into into five goal lead. You know, he was a little bit unlucky with the clearance off the line, and he looked quite bright. I thought in in in, in turn, but it looked like certainly with Eddie and Reese at least, but it looked like he was really quite animated at, at telling them what to do. And I just get the perspective from those three that certainly from two of those three, that, that he, these are the sorts of minutes they're going to get. And unless barring injuries, hopefully we don't get any, I don't see them getting any significant minutes this season bar being, hopefully they do get more minutes because then we're, we're winning games like this, but but bar these types of games. The reason they've got games against West Ham and Burnley and, and Newcastle is because the games are over at 60 minutes. And that's something we're going to have to address um, in, in the summer, Neil. Obviously, could have very much hit our homegrown quota, but in terms of his actual belief in, in players, um, we're going to have to address that, aren't we, Neil? Because we do still, I know we had Jesus on the bench, but when we didn't in the last couple of games, we do still look a little bit light in terms of trustworthy Mikel Arteta players on the bench, don't we? Yeah, that's right. It's the trust. Yeah. Uh, I still I still scratch my head over why we gave Nelson a four-year contract if he doesn't trust him. It doesn't make any sense. Nah. Uh, I, I I think the only way they would have got more minutes if we were still in one of the Cups, well, League Cups finished the only way, um, but if we were in the FA Cup, then possibly we might have seen a bit more of them, but not now. I mean, the Champions League, you know, and the, and the Premiership is going to be starting our, our best, best 11, 12, 13 players. I'm sorry, they don't even get in there. And for me, 
the only sad one, as you know, is the Emma Smith Rowe one. I mean, there's a chance he might even go. I mean, even, even if it's for his for his own benefit as, a, as an individual, because if he's not going to be getting into this team, he's got so much talent that kid. It would break my heart to see him leave. I don't want him to, and that's why I so was so upset. If that's the only, if there's only one thing that upset me, it wasn't Willett's goal. It was the fact that he didn't score when he had that chance because I I, I want him to score so badly. Because he clearly loves the club, Jack. He's I think he's an Arsenal fan. He's brought up as a kid through the ranks. I I yeah, that would hurt me. But I think for Eddie and Nelson, I, I I'll be shocked if we've still got them in the next season. I'm utterly shocked. Yeah, uh, I think I think we need to start moving some of these players on to help them with their careers, maybe, and also just to maybe get a little bit of money in, balance the books a little bit, um, and give that give us the room to maybe invest in some some fresh blood. I don't know, but uh, as you know, I don't do transfer talk, but I, I just I just think that their days are probably looking quite quite sketchy now. And you're right. I think apart from if we're dominating, killing, destroying teams, and being five six nil up. They're not going to get money many minutes, uh, barring touch. We don't have well get injuries. Touch. We don't because I'm loving life at the moment. These players that we've got, they're utterly buzzing, um, and uh, I can't. I just don't want that to change. Of course, no Arsenal fan does. Uh, we want to see that our best players put in performances like this week in week out. And uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, we're just we're just destroying teams, but baffling them in terms of how do they do anything against us offensively. I mean, we're just not, we're just, we're just like a Fort Knox at the moment, aren't we? Defensively, we can go on and hammer on about how amazing we look going forward because we've scored 25 goals, but we've only scored, conceded three. And the only thing is, you know, as, as much as I didn't want Newcastle to score, I'm glad it was the next, the ex-Castle player that got it. Because uh, I never disliked Willock. I never disliked that he was a no, nice kid. Too, yeah. uh, and, and, he would uh, be respectful, I, I, wasn't he? I don't know, we had a little bit of a uh, coming together with Ben White. Did you notice when he was running and Ben White was like, get off me? I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that after he scored? I didn't, but it sounds like Ben White. Yeah, he's like, Ben White was like, I don't care if you played with us. He's like, what are you doing? Don't touch me. He's like, don't touch me. (laughs) I didn't see that, but I have to watch that. Quite scary, actually. I thought, geez, got got, got another side to this guy. But um, I I, I didn't mind that. Um, So... It was it was it was horrible that we did concede, but three goals conceded in six games. Yeah, I mean, we're doing well. Well, I mean, you sent the stat, didn't you, Neil? I mean, um, that's probably a good one to to end on before we sort of discuss our our our, our Champions League sort of hopes and 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 the next game. But you said in six Premier League games we've conceded allowed shots worth one point eight eight xg, and to put that in perspective, the next side is Man City with six point seven seven xg. I mean, we were having a chat on on the Arsenal group, and um, we were sort of where we're at in comparison to the other two. So I guess you can call them sort of juggernauts in the in the title race, and um, and and collectively, I think as a system and the way we play, I think we're the best. But the, the, it doesn't really matter because these sides have these sort of outlying cheat codes, you know, which we had back in the day with like Thierry Henry. And um, the, the cheat coach, you know, Alison Salah, um, De Bruyne, Haaland, you know, and we, we don't really have that yet. We, we, we don't, you know, we have players that, that if they're on form that, you know, they're on form and, and they can be relied upon, but they, they, they're not people that can, you know, score necessarily from 35 yards out and just do something actually unbelievable. Maybe they can, but not as consistently, I would say, and and get, get you out of bother. And when you're not playing fully well, can they still win it for you and things like that? 
Um, that's where I think the, the advantage lies with them. But in terms of a system and what we give up, I watch Liverpool a lot this season. They give up a ton of chances. They just do. They give up a hell of a lot of chances, but they have players like that. They can get them out of it and, and make it look fine, you know, at the end of the 90 minutes. And, and the same with City. I think City give up a lot more chances than they did last season, for example. You know, I've watched them against Chelsea. Um, last week in the Premier League and they and they give up a hell of a lot of chances and Chelsea you know they're not a good side particularly and uh, and so it's a tough one I mean where do you think we're at I mean there's a long way to go it's, it's 12 games to go it's hard. I don't really look beyond the next game I find it very hard to you um, know sort of evaluate I know we have a very hard running but um, and in comparison to Liverpool I think it is a lot harder but um, w w how do you see it in terms of the three teams it does look like there's a block of three there now uh, at the very least um, but you know you never know with the league if, if we continue like this we've got every chance it's as simple as that and I think as if, again just on the back of what you just said I actually think out of the three we're playing the best we're the most balanced and we're playing the best as it is in this book again if you just take this six game segment no one can touch us at the moment we are we are we are almost flawless and if we carry on in the same way there's no reason why we can't do it Ian Wright said the same thing in much of the day why, why can't we do it and if we, if we can't do it then what are we in it for uh, and I agree with him um, I, I think it's going to be I think it is going to be a three horse race the only thing and again don't tempt fate and don't jinx it Neil the only thing that's going to stop us I think is, is key injuries and like if we stay, if we keep all these players fit, uh, we'll be there till the end. We've got to be. We, we hopefully we've learned from last season. And as I said, this time last season we started faltering. We haven't. We're actually getting better. So we have got tough games. We've got sit a City, United, and Spurs away. I think they're the three key ones, aren't they? Um, yeah. I'm not. Again, I'm not looking. I'd like you. I don't like to look ahead too much. But out of those three. I reckon we could potentially win two of them. I really do. I really do. I, I think Spurs, we could do a number on them. And I think even United, we could away. Um, City's probably the tougher one, but I, I, I don't see why not. If we can do that, if we can get two out of three, we, we could end up winning the title as a result of it. And and and, and, and look, we've got we got the next couple of weeks are quite, Again, with, that's with all due respect to the other teams. I don't. I think every team in the Premiership is a hard game. I think any team can beat any team. But on paper, I think we've got Sheffield United and Brentford away and home. And I think we can win those two. And yet, don't Liverpool and City play in that spell? I think they do in two weeks' time, yeah. Yeah. So, we think about that. If we can win those two games and get six points... And those two teams play, at least one of them is dropping points, or not, if, if not both, because there could be a draw. It's a great time to take advantage. And I know it still won't change anything in the long run, because you know what City are like. They're getting up winning the last 10 games, you know, with a canter. Um, but at least it just gives that mental advantage. Um, but you know what? I've said it before. I'd like being not at the top. I prefer it just being there and thereabouts, because then I don't feel that the pressure's on us as much, and this, and and, the, and the, you know we haven't got the attention like last season. The attention was all on us because everyone was so shocked. Also, look at that eight percent of the season, they're top of the league right from the start. It was right from the start, wasn't it? it was from the get go, and I think the pressure got to us as well as the injuries to the, the the two defenders, and maybe we ran out of steam. Maybe we got a little bit predictable up front. I don't know, but at the end of the day, I think it was a lack of experience at that level of being at the top and that pressure. 
Um, but this time it's kind of weird. We're not top, but we're there and thereabouts. And I think I like it like that. Just keep, just keep, you know, keep at the heel, keep, yeah. keep, keep with them, keep nipping at the heels and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll put the sucker punch in right at the end. I think, we, I think we've got a great chance, Jack. I think we've got a great chance. And that's with being in the Champions League. And I do expect to win that game, by the way, against Porto at home. Okay. He's never won a knockout Premier, no. uh, Champions League tie or European tie. Um, he's had a few, Olympiacos, Sporting. I think Olympiacos twice, I want to say. Um, sporting. So it's a huge um, test for him. And, and uh, yeah, a bit, a bit fresh. I agree with you. I mean, they did have that double chance in the first half that it was really hard to see how they didn't score from but collectively in the game there was only really one team wanting to play football and there was another team trying to stop the other playing football I felt and um, I was disappointed in our ability to sort of break that down and deal with their sort of dark art experience if you like like for example from corners what re- I was watching it at work but when I watched it a little bit back as well I was I had the same frustration that their clear agenda from corners was to just drop to the floor as soon as the ball came in the frustration there was the ref bought it no matter if no one touched him if the Porto player touched their own player it didn't matter he just literally blew the whistle I'd love to have seen what he'd done if three of our players dropped to the floor probably still give him a free kick um, that was but what frustrated me was um, you know we're, we're great from set pieces I, I, I can't say it but we kept doing the same thing and I thought if I kept saying it in the second half. I went, take it short, take it short, take it short. If they're going to keep falling down, just take it short and go to the edge of the box. We did one clever cross, uh, set piece where we went back post to Trossard and he should have done better with a volley and he ballooned it over the bar against Porto. But just things like that and then constantly, I mean, it's very difficult when they're constantly going down and the ref is literally buying everything that they do. But our overall play wasn't good enough to break them down. And um, they, they, they stuttered it and they kept the ball out of play for a long time and they slowed the play down and we, we, we didn't handle that very, very well. And, and James said, you know, we should have started Jorginho in midweek. But I, I, I genuinely think he doesn't think Jorginho's got it in him to play sort of two games in quick succession like that either. Uh, maybe he does, but I don't think he, I think he'd rather not. And that's where someone like Thomas Partey could come in really handy, you know. But um, because he can mit- he can mimic a lot of those similar roles and keep the system the same and keep habits in there, all that comes. So I, I, yeah, you know, um, yeah, the, the the return leg isn't for a while, is it? It's a couple of weeks away still. So uh, I guess we, we we have to focus on 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 the Premier League, you know. But like you said, it's going to be a massive one, and I think yeah, we've got every chance, you know. I think I think we're we're going to give a much more of a game, but hopefully we can deal with. You do get worries, don't you? We, we've been there before with these sort of games in, in European coming back to the Emirates, and and we've never a lot of the time we've been sort of left wanting. But hopefully um, we can get a couple of players back for it and and have a little bit more options as well to be able to change it because he didn't really have the options to be able all the options that he believed that could change it anyway. I think it was like Vieira on the bench, and that was basically it, Smith Rowe, and that was it. Um, so yeah, disappointing. Disappointing um, overall. I felt agree with you. I think it was basically a nil-nil game, but just switched off. Very inexperienced. I felt in that last minute or two, just sort of too eager to get the ball up a pitch. I was just, I was just like, settle. I know it's not great, but it's, it's, it's fine. You know, nil-nil doesn't mean what it used to. It's not the way goals don't count really anymore. So it was just frustrating. But it was a worldy finish, and we probably should have closed it down better. I think Martinelli should have done better. Rice probably should have done better, and then you can have the argument as well about Raya. But I think before that, we should have done a lot more. But yeah, Neil. Um, anything else? I do. I do think Gabriel has been absolutely fantastic as well. I think Saliba's had a little shaky moments yeah. in the last couple of weeks. I don't think he's been 
he's, he's, he's obviously he sets such high standards, but you do have to remember you're dealing with a 22 year old centre back in the Premier League, and that is very young. I mean, very young. I don't know how old Kenyatta is for, for for Liverpool. Maybe he's a little bit similar age, but again, he is another one that's in that sort of elite bracket so you know yeah he was born in 19 no he's, he's 20 he's 25 isn't he 24 so Saliba's very very young for a Premier League centre back you don't see many top level sides playing 21 22 year old centre backs you know in, 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 in this league you know you just don't and I think that's where Gabriel was really sort of come to the forefront in a way and there's an argument that he's maybe the most consistent centre back we've got over the course of the season I mean he's just he's been really fantastic Gabriel and I just sort of thought, I mean we mentioned it I think last week how good Gabriel is and we, we know how good he is from set pieces and things like that but in terms of defensively and organising that back line and things like that I mean it's just it's madness to think that he didn't start the season now isn't it like the first three games of the season it's just absolutely mental whatever was going on there hopefully that's sort of cleared up and because and you, you know the thought of even sort of selling him to a crazy fee to Saudi or something like that in the summer just seems just seems a nonsense. We can't be doing something like that. I mean, he's a absolutely. Oh, you know, in fairness, I even had Liverpool fans text me. We go back and forth with banter, and we don't really give too much honest opinion rather than just wind each other up. But even they said, you know, I thought Gabriel was a liability, but I've watched him. And he's 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 fantastic for you. And I, I know, to be to be honest, I've, I've kind of thought that about Kenyatta for them. And I think he's he's looked like a real top player. So I think Liverpool and Arsenal probably have the you know some of the best centre backs in the league. To be honest, so that that's that's kind of what you saw when they they came to play against us in a way. But um, Neil Sheffield United next away Monday night game. Got to win it. Have to win it. Um, but it looks like I mean I'm guessing I don't look at other pe- teams' fixtures, but we're going to be playing. Uh, after everyone else uh, again I think um, uh, so that you know maybe you know puts the pressure on us a little bit more but um, what's your prediction first scorer uh, feeling that we might get we could get Zinchenko Tomiyasu and Party back for that game I mean I don't want to predict it because it's probably unlikely but it's possible he says they're all pretty close so and Jesus is already back in theory because he was on the bench but um so that could make a few few squad dilemmas or first team dilemmas for the game as well. But what's your thoughts, Neil, on that? They're obviously struggling, but but Bramall Lane, never that easy place to go, is it? Yeah, firstly, you can't under as I said earlier, we can't underestimate you know any Prem team. So the the worst thing we could do is get complacent. That 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 would be my only worry. That don't do not get complacent because they're sitting at the bottom of the table. They've got thirteen points. Don't go into that game thinking it's a given and, you know, we can just stroll it with our heart one eye closed. Don't do that. Yeah, as long as we're professional, I can't see anything other than a win for us. I just can't. I'm, I'm, you know, we. it's not as if we've been doing these last few games just at home. We've been demolishing teams away as well. So I can't see anything other than a win. Just don't be, be complacent and be professional. I can see us getting three goals, uh, if not more. So I'll, I'll I'll go with the prudent. I'll say three three nil. I think we'll be solid at the back. I think you're right about uh, Saliba. I think he's he's had a, he's having a little bit of a blip. But every player has that. You know, there's no player that smiles. I mean, it's definitely great. It's 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 fine. And and end of the day, this is the great thing about the Gabriel Saliba relationship. One player isn't doing so well. The other one steps up. It's amazing. It's, you know, I, I can't see a team without any with those without those two players. Though they both have to be there and do not sell anyone at the back that we've got at the moment because they're all fantastic. Yeah, maybe with the exception of Sinchenko, maybe. 
he might might consider it, but no, not the others. So just just a quick word on that. But with Sheffield United, I'm, I, I think I'm going three 0 and I will say it again. I said it. I think we predicted it. We wanted it for this game, but I'll say Martinelli. I want Martinelli to score a goal. Yeah, uh, because all the others are, and he's one that maybe hasn't been as prolific as we might yeah. want him to be. So I'm glad Havertz is on the score sheet now and getting goals. Saka does it. Gets the numbers some, somehow every Please. every week. Um, I wouldn't mind a Mar- an Odegaard and a Martinelli goal against Sheffield United and 3-0 for me. Oof. All right, I'll go 2 0 and I'll go Odegaard. But yeah, big game. Feels a, a while away as well. So hopefully we've got some football to, to watch before. I think there's some FA Cup fixtures maybe before then. I think actually one of them sort of plays into us a little bit because if Chelsea win, I believe that means we don't play Chelsea before the international break. That's right. Yeah. Which means we have like a basically a three week break, but mm-hmm. a two week international break before the Man City game, which Mm. which doesn't feel ideal or great, but there's nothing you can do about it. The fixture list is a fixture list. It plays out the way it plays out. So, so, you know, you're going to have to have to deal with that, won't we? But, um, but sorry, quickly, sorry to interrupt. So I didn't think of that. I just looked at the fixture list. It's not as if we're playing, having to play Paul. So again, straight after Sheffield United, we'll have another few days off. So I think he can go the same team again, because they didn't have to worry about, Oh, I've got, who do I play for against Porto? And don't have to worry about it. So I think he can go full strength, against Sheffield United don't worry about rotating too much yeah. and well, yeah, the, job done. the interesting thing will be whether whether he sticks with Jorginho because history mm. for so far this season says he won't you know I mean mm. Jorginho as, he's played so fantastically well but as I called out those six games he's largely played in the big six games you know like against the big six so in this game you'd expect him to to maybe play Rice there and, and play yeah. a Havertz or a Smith Rowe at the at the eight, you know. Um and bring Trossard back in maybe. It, yeah, or Trossard yeah. and Havertz and the switchy yeah. or whatever, yeah. So it'll be interesting. It'll be nice to see just the, yeah, even a, a a little bit more depth on or trustworthy depth on the bench. Yeah. Because like you say, the games are coming thick and fast and we've got big, big, big games to come. So it'd be important to get the likes of Tommy Asu and 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 Jesus some minutes somewhere to to, to sort of prove Good point. It. Good so that'll be that'll be handy, wouldn't it? Because like you said, you want your best players. But I mean, Arteta's alluded to it, isn't he? He's like last season we didn't have our, all of our best players available in the months of March, April, and May. And he went and and it's all about do you have those? And I think it, that's in the back of his mind here. So he won't rush anyone. He won't, you know, all this talk about Timber being, it's not, not going to happen. He no, won't no, no, rush no. anyone. He Please. won't rush, you know, he's not going to rush the, certainly the ones that have been out for a long time, maybe Tommy Asu and, and, and Zinchenko and, and Jesus, but the likes of Party and Timber no. get the feeling like extreme caution will be taken on them because, you know, why rush them at this point? There's still a long, large part of the season to go and, and things like that. And um, luckily, um, we we do have players that have come in and, and they can really trust them. You know, Kivio is another player we've kind of found in the first 11 group. I mean, which you have six weeks ago. No way. Then he's one of his trustworthy 15, 16, okay. you wouldn't have. But now you would have to say definitely. I mean, did you see the shake, the, the, the huggy game at the end of the game? I mean, clearly yeah. he's so happy to have sort of found the player that he bought yeah. in a way, you know, and, um, and, and that, that's so valuable for us, you know, at this point in the season, because he's not the manager. I know you saw uh, Klopp in the Carling Cup yesterday, everyone going on about, you know, oh, look at him trusting in, in these players. And uh, one, Arteta isn't, he, he has a sort of, strict sort of agenda on, on players he trusts. It takes him time to build up trust. But also I think it's 
massively overblown on on how many youngsters Klopp actually trusts in truly. One, there was points where Klopp wasn't even showing up for domestic cup games. So that's what he truly thinks about them. And secondly, you know, if you look over the nine years, uh, uh, the youngsters that Klopp's bring through, you, you can count them on one hand. So let's not act like he's, uh, you know, he's Arsene Wenger. He's not Arsene Wenger, not one bit. No way. The, the only top manager you can really say you know, I mean, maybe you know, I did it back in the day, but Arsene Wenger brought through youngster after youngster and trusted them. I mean, he started them in cup finals and stuff like that. You know, you all remember the Chelsea one where we lost it late on to Drogba. I mean, that's that, that was a team full of 18, 19 year olds. Yes, this right. wasn't the same. I mean, Chelsea, Liverpool's final team yesterday was still the same age, average age as Arsenal starting eleven currently mm. twenty four. So, like, it, it massively overblown for me uh, that sort of stuff but you know the the agenda is what it is and every, at the moment exactly. it's got you know a love in for Klopp so there you go but but I didn't mind it going extra time I have to say I don't know if you watched it yeah, but me too. I was uh, I was rooting for extra time so I was like yeah Excellent. I don't care who wins but go to extra time please and uh, double <laughs> extra time if you can um, so yeah that was that, that was quite handy but Neil it's been great. Another win for the Arsenal. I know we had a, t- a tough one in midweek, but it's all to play for there. So we've got to keep positive yeah. and um, let's come back after another win next week. Fingers crossed. You can find us at Purely Arsenal FP on Twitter and Purely Arsenal on YouTube. Just type it in there. Subscribe. We appreciate your comments on there. Um, we try to respond to them. Neil's quicker than me in responding to them, but I try to always get to them. Um, Dan, Ray, you guys are always commenting. I appreciate those comments and a few others as well. So appreciate it. YouTube, the link comes out a little bit earlier and you can get it there. No ads no nothing like that so but yeah we'll be back after the Sheffield United game fingers crossed another three points Uh, keep the faith boys keep the faith